time for another great podcast from ICRT. But first, a message from one of our outstanding partners. Don't forget, more information and fun on the ICRT app or at icrt.com.tw. ICRT, listen with the world. Opening on October 5th, Texas Roadhouse is bringing Taichung residents its delicious, juicy steaks and barbecue ribs. Located on Shizhen Road, Texas Roadhouse is looking forward to serving up legendary food, legendary service, and legendary fun. 美味的手工鮮切牛排,10月5日登陸台中,德州鮮切牛排台中店,位在西屯區市政路,581至6號,傳奇性的美式風味,等你來嘗鮮! We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time, it's time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host, Gavin Phipps. I'm joined in the studio this evening by well-known Taiwan political commentator, Jerome Keating. Thank you, Gavin. And I'm joined on the telephone this evening by a well-known journalist here in Taiwan by the name of Ralph Jennings. Good evening, Gavin. Right, and tonight we discuss comments by Premier William Lai about cross-strait ties, allies speaking for Taiwan at the United Nations, the DPP's National Congress, claims that Taiwan is to blame for the Philippines' drug problems, and the latest on Bravo the Bear. But we'll begin with the Sing China Shanghai Taipei Music Festival at the National Taiwan University. Now it was billed as a platform for singers from both sides of the Taiwan straight to perform to a wide audience and to gain some more fans. Good enough. However, but within three hours, it had turned into a once-in-a-lifetime stage invasion for some, denials of responsibility from others, and scuffles between students and members of a pro-unification party who just happened to have invited some of their friends along who may or may not have been members of a mob known as the Bamboo Union. Now, the police took heat from all sides and ended up taking the blame for the fracas, which, when considering it took officers several hours and several dozen reports of violence to respond, shouldn't really come as a great surprise to anybody. Now, problems arose prior to the event, of course, with basically students complaining that the athletics field had been damaged when organisers erected the stage and equipment areas, and there were questions over the wording on some of the concert posters, which called the university the Taipei City Taiwan University. Now, the event was organised jointly by the Taipei and Shanghai city governments as part of a deal on cultural cooperation and had taken place for the past three years trouble-free. So, do you think it's safe to assume that both the stage invasion and the presence of members of the pro-unification group with a known affiliation to a mob were planned well in advance and possibly maybe someone who organised the event should have known about this, Ralph? I am surprised at what happened. I understand that NTU has been fairly tolerant of all manner of uh, students and performers, etc., from from China. And as you mentioned, this show had gone on before without any obvious incident. I'm also kind of troubled by the the sequence of events. I'm not exactly sure from reading the reports I see about who did what and who came in after who, and you know what really went down. Uh, I would certainly hope that um, the uh, that cultural exchanges could could continue and that. If those have political views, they can express them in uh, nonviolent ways, of course. Well, I look at it. I think they should have anticipated some of this. The It was well known in advance, and when the CUPP was there, the 
Chinese Unity Promotion Party, that's trouble already brewing. Um, but basically, I'm I'm with the students on this one. They, you know, they came into our house and disrespected us. So uh, they and they should have anticipated this. Well, and do you think this could happen again? Now, this could set a whole series of things that could happen in the future with cross-strait events. We could see more trouble at them. Sure. I, I think it could, and I think the nature of things that, of this is a kind of a um, unplanned, unscheduled, unforeseen incident. Um, these are the things that are almost impossible to plan for, and yes, it could happen again. It could be a performance. It could be a sporting event. I'm surprised nothing really went down at the uh, the university ad in that in those terms. It, things happen, but not on that level. Yes, it could happen again, and I think it's almost inherently impossible to plan for. You could send a bunch of riot police with their shields. That wouldn't look good. Um, it might have some utility, uh, although somebody could just follow up and stage what they want to do once they're gone. Um, it doesn't mean that... Um, People from China should, should just not come at all to perform. I hope not. Um, doesn't mean they should be more careful. Probably so. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more careful. I mean, but the whole one they said, you know, Taipei City, Taiwan University, I mean, that kind of crap should be anticipated and should be not allowed. You know, it's National Taiwan University. And that stuff should be read over beforehand and if you know if someone's going to try and sneak it in that's a downgrade so uh i'm again yeah i definitely see possibilities yeah we've always had this and the tension is there and now that the white wolf is in the gang as well in the mix we can definitely expect it i mean do you think it could affect like these obviously the performers at this event were little little known performers you know they had a little small fan base and very much unknowns but do you think this could affect larger names from coming to taiwan to perform ralph um it could i i believe that the chinese government probably vets these performances at, at the higher level at least before they could even start to think about coming over here so the the the, the government cultural authorities there would probably try to make pretty sure that nothing would go wrong once they're on the ground. Um, so, yeah, but if, if somebody came over, and as, as Jerome mentioned, if they use a name, if they, if they tweak the names to make it look like, you know, China is, is Taiwan is subordinate to China or something like that, then you're going to get a backlash. Yeah, and of course, the, it's not, you know, that we don't welcome them. It's usually... You know, Taiwan is open to anyone coming here. It's when Taiwanese go to sing in China that they are either axed or not if they don't go to the party line. You know, we don't have, it wasn't the singers really that were the problem. I think it was the organizers. Well, again, they didn't. They like Ralph mentioned somebody maybe should have foreseen that there could be trouble, basically, and the organizer. And of course, then the police didn't turn up for like three hours. Yeah, that that was a big problem. I, you know, they, I don't know, they they have their, for certain things they turn up on the spot, and other times it takes them a long while to find out where they are. Yeah, I, I think what you're going to see next time is a, a an overkill on the other side where you get two thousand riot police standing around in the in the shadows the way they they do at at organized scheduled protests. 
Ryan, of course, this has led to possible charges of attempted murder against two members of the Chinese Unity Promotion Party, those being Zhang Wei and Hu Da Gang. Now, of course, Zhang Wei is the son of Bamboo Union, or former Bamboo Union head Zhang An Le. And, of course, he was on the television after speaking in the rather patronising way he has of speaking, and he basically denied it was his fault. I mean, Ralph, what do you think? Do you think that the, his political party was to blame for this? Do you think students were blamed for this? Or do you think it was a, it was a bad mix of all the parties together? Yeah, I, I'm not going to touch that. I don't know who to blame for anything. If, and if you're a good, a good cop, a good prosecutor, as well as a good journalist, you're not going to stick your hand in there and say, this is who did what to whom without having seen it and talked to a lot of people who were involved. Uh, obviously, I think all of the people you just mentioned are complicit in some way, they are at least involved in some way, so uh, certainly worth a uh, follow-up by the supposedly competent authorities. And I'll say, well, if nothing else, they came looking for trouble and ready to create it if it wasn't there. I do love this quote. This was a quote from CNA, because of course this was um, jointly organised by both the Taipei and Shanghai governments. There was a quote in CNA this week, which quoted the the Shanghai city Taiwan affairs chief, Li Wenhui. Now, he was apparently present at the time of the protest, but apparently, according to CNA, he opted to keep a low profile and declined to make any comment on the untoward commotion. I thought calling that untoward commotion was slightly amusing. But never mind, that, maybe that's just me. <laughs> I and think that's a good way to say untoward it. Untoward commotion, the untoward commotion, <laughs> yes. I'm yes. not sure what exactly it means, but... <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Of course, Premier William Lai attended his first legislative question and answer session as, well, Premier on Tuesday of this week, at which he opened a big old can of worms. Now, he told lawmakers that while politically he believes the two sides of the Taiwan Strait are independent of each other, with Taiwan being an independent sovereign state under the designation of the Republic of China, his overall stance is pro-China loving Taiwan which he said meant showing goodwill and reaching out the hand of friendship to China with Taiwan at the centre now a rather poetic stance maybe but one that an ever hyperbolic Beijing was quick to say no to as Beijing basically turned around and said Taiwan is an indivisible part of Chinese territory it has never been and it will never be a country now of course within Six hours of that statement by Beijing, the Premier had shot back, saying that, yes, it is an undistributable fact that Taiwan is a nation under the title of Republic of China. Now, this war of words might have been a bit blunted on some fronts, but it's angered some people here in Taiwan, especially the pro-unification New Party, which now says it's going to seek backing from the KMT to file charges of sedition against the Premier for having an opinion. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, that's a good laugh. I mean, but it, it is a can of worms, and I mean, you got to face it. We are. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it is a duck. Taiwan is an independent nation. China doesn't see it that way. Okay, the you know they will probably at least the current government there will never see it that way. But obviously, Ralph, you, you, you met, one of your articles you wrote for, I believe, the Associated Press did touch on the China issue when William Lai became Premier. Yes, I believe that, um, well, the Lai's comments uh, over the past week, as far as I could tell, didn't really break any, any new ground. It's, in fact, kind of re- repeating things that uh, President Tsai has said 
although in different language. And I, I would draw attention only to the timing of his comments because William Lai had made some statements earlier in the year, as he said, "I Tai Chin Zhong, love Taiwan, and you know, be be form some affinity to China," which he didn't really explain it until a bit later, and he came under some fire, some heat for saying it here. So once he became premier, I believe some people in Taiwan, perhaps a lot of people, expected him to clarify what he thought, so he had to do that. China's response, again, you know, by the book, they, you know, they hear these things, they have to respond to them, and life goes on for everybody. Yeah, and this goes back to the, even drags out the 1992 consensus where the, as the new party tries to build a little bit of steam for itself, you know, they, they like want to say, well, the ROC is China, but China says, we don't even buy that. And this goes back and forth. But of course, Lai made these latest comments this week during his first legislative question and answer session. Do you think so possibly, Ralph, he was being set up to say something like this by the opposition lawmakers? Um, he might have. I, it's, again, I don't know who, uh, the, you know, the, the blow by blow before he made the comment. Um, yeah, it's the, the DPP lawmakers probably wanted to hear it. Um, and it could have even have been somebody in, in the president's office or in the government saying, why don't you just come out and, and, and take care of this issue so that we can forget about it and move on. But I, I'm purely speculating here. That's a good point. So obviously he wanted to get, because obviously William Lai, is no, it's not the first time he said he's pro-independence. He's well known for being pro-independence. But he, can't, he was mayor of Tainan. You don't get any more independent in Taiwan than Tainan, basically. So it was no great surprise, his opinions. But do you think that's a good point that Ralph made there, Jerome, about that he wanted to get this issue out the way so we can concentrate on other issues that need dealing with? Yeah, and it's also just an issue that almost... Either side is going to say, well, where do you stand on this? And, you know, but, yeah, he had to answer to the suspicions from his own base. And, of course, the blue base is going to say, yeah, come on, egg him on, you know. So it's both sides kind of pushing him, I think. Yeah, good. He should have done it, you know, get it out of the way. And it got out of the way because, of course, later on in the week he talked about smart city development which couldn't be as far removed from unification, independence, and what have you, completely. So yeah, there we I think go. at the end of the day, we have to remember that the premier is an administrator. In that role, he's not supposed to be a policymaker uh, with a lot of his own opinions. He's supposed to get things done, and the person with opinions traditionally in Taiwan is the president mm. and the legislators. I think that was that was part of the new, <clears throat> that was part of the new party's plans to charge him with sedition. Obviously, sedition's a bit far, but they did make the point that basically, as head of the executive UN, William Lai probably shouldn't have said these things and should have probably been focusing on the job at hand rather than causing issues. I think there. Anyway, let's stay with politics, but move to a different type of politics, and this being the DPP holding its 17th National Congress last Sunday. And it was pretty much overshadowed by events we talked about earlier on the show at the National Taiwan University. But what did transpire at the Grand Hotel in Taipei was that President Tsai Ing-wen, who also serves as the DPP's chairperson, spoke of cross-strait ties, saying that Taiwan has to face the rise of China with caution, but must face up to it by avoiding anti-Chinese 
Chinese sentiment and at the same time not kowtowing to Beijing. Tsai spoke at length about the need for a focus on constitutional reform, saying the DPP think tanks will begin discussing 12 key areas, including diplomacy and international participation, regional security, cross-strait relations and national defence. And she also called for party unity ahead of next year's local elections, telling party members that although there have been many contentious issues within the DPP, such disputes should be about values and party line, not about individual interests. But of course, what wasn't there was a motion calling for an amnesty or a pardon for former President Chen Shui-bian. Now discussions on a petition urging the president to release Chen failed to materialise for the simple reason that there was an insufficient number of representatives turning up to actually hear the motion. It was a surprise, Ralph, that nobody bothered to discuss this issue on Sunday. Oh, I don't think so. <clears throat> I think that if um, Tsai Ing-wen wanted to uh, pardon Chen Shui-bian, she would have done that before. Although it could still happen if, if enough time passes and Chen himself is following the rules and doesn't do anything overtly political, it could happen again. I, my impression is that at least during election cycles, the DPP prefers not to make that an issue because they don't want to draw attention to the fact that their former standard bearer is uh, convicted of crimes. Um, they, they want to keep him in the fold to give off the impression of some kind of unity, uh, especially since he's a former president, but at the same time, they really don't want their campaigns linked to any, any, any sense of of crime in the past. Do you, think, do you think Ralph's got a point there, Jerome? I mean, the election's coming up. If Chen is given amnesty before the elections, it could set a bad example and possibly dent the DPP's figures in the polls. Well, I, I think he does there because it's a it's one of those again one of those hot potatoes. Uh, there's strong opinions, and then there's even the question of. What type of amnesty? Is it like amnesty for any future accusations? Or is it amnesty saying that the past trial was really a sham? Um, you know, you got a lot of things, and that those things are not going to be solved. Better to leave them rest. I've got another thought on this whole, you know, the DPP thing was kind of bland in its results. And my thought is that, the CCP is having their National Congress coming up in October, and almost like you don't want to say anything on too extreme to give their people fodder. So, yeah, well, I mean, it. it, it I think I think the local media was probably quite happy there was the fracas at the National Taiwan University. To be honest with you, because there, there would have been much to say about the DPP Congress, really, would there? I mean, basically nothing new. Ralph. Yeah, I I, um, I I agree that there's some there's probably a tie-in between the 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 party congress of the DVD and and the the communist one coming up in mid-October. Uh, if you throw out too many things, then that gives the the communists something to glom onto. And all accounts I've heard is they probably won't talk about Taiwan. It's just because it's kind of a it's a flat issue at the moment. Tsai Ing-wen is not doing anything to provoke much of a response there now. Even though they don't like her, not, she's not giving them anything to to really sink their teeth into at the moment, and she would probably like to keep it that way through the Congress. Right, and we have to take a short break now, but we'll be right back after these interesting commercials.
Welcome back to Taiwan This Week. Now we're going to begin the second half of the show with news that 15 of Taiwan's 20 diplomatic allies spoke out in support of the island at the just-concluded 72nd session of the United Nations General Assembly. Now, the Foreign Office here in Taiwan said a number of allied countries also sent a letter to UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres to reiterate their support for the island. Now, four countries did not publicly support Taiwan during the proceedings in New York, those being El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras and the Dominican Republic. Now, none of those four have spoken on Taiwan's behalf at the UN for the last five years, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs has said that their silence on the issue was not unexpected. And in case you wonder where the 20th ally went, well, that happens to be the Vatican City, and of course they don't have a seat in the UN. So they had 15 countries speaking up for them this year, they had 13 countries last year, I believe it was 18 countries the year before. It's an up and down figure, Jerome, with countries speaking up for Taiwan at the UN. Well, you're always happy that they speak up, but the UN is again one of those issues that you've got the name, you can't get in under the name ROC, we've got to change the name, got to change the constitution probably, there's so many things involved, but it's still good to hear them speaking up and keeping making everyone realize that this major mid-sized country is still not in the UN. Of course, before the UN Assembly, there's usually lots of noise here in Taiwan with the, with the central government saying we're going to do this, that and the other. And that didn't happen this year, Ralph, of course. It was rather quiet on the front here. Yeah, I, um, in fact, I was, I was so surprised by the, the silence here that I called the foreign ministry for as part of the story I was doing to ask, what's up? Is there going to be a full-scale launch to get into the UN as a whole or to, to participate as an observer in any of its sub-agencies, and the person just kind of said no. And I said, well, how about all these old applications? There's ICAO, there's Interpol, there's the uh, uh, Climate climate Change Convention, WHO, WHA, are all these things dead? And she said, yeah, they're dead. Um, so I, I talked to some one of the activists who organizes um, it's an organization called Taiwan uh, UN Alliance, I believe. they got 6,000 members, so the cause is still alive in their mind. They staged a protest in, in D.C., um, and they would like the government to go back and, and make another move. Um, but then I've also spoken to people saying, why bother? Because you know what's going to happen. How much energy do you want to waste? Do you want to actually make Taiwanese people think there's a chance to get in? And then you realize you can't. Um, so I, I think the government's in a tough position. You know, you know they want to stick up for their what they see as their rights, but they also don't want to waste a lot of time and, and deceive the people here. Also, I, I just saw something uh, on the uh, an email that the U.S. House Foreign Affairs is has drafted a motion that they are pushing for Taiwan to have observer status at the UN which was kind of interesting where that will go. That happened Thursday, I believe. They voted on that Thursday. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think that's going to go anywhere? It will just sit in the U.S. House and people will go, very good, we did a very good job, pat ourselves on the back here in Washington, uh, but nothing will actually come of it. Well, it keeps the issue alive, for one, and, of course, it puts it back on the plate of Donald Trump, who has played both sides. You know, he has accepted the call from Tsai, and then he later on said, well, i got to clear everything with she so uh, i'm for always keeping the issue alive 
and making people aware Taiwan, this mid-sized country, is not in the U.N. It's bigger than most countries, has a better GDP than most countries. Why the heck isn't it there? Yeah, I'm not sure where the um, the, 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 the movement in, in uh, Washington is going to go. Uh, I would imagine it was, it's being done. I would imagine that the, the uh, members of Congress understand that China will block what they're trying to do, so they might be trying to do it for some other reason. Maybe, as Jerome says, trying to keep the issue alive um, and just reach out and say, we haven't forgotten about Taiwan. Um, or maybe somebody from Taiwan asked them to do it as a, like as a, as a proxy so that the government here doesn't have to do it. But it seems, it seems to be a never-ending circle, though, Jerome. Every year, round and around, they're never going to get in. So why bother? And obviously, from what Ralph said, the government here has just gone, when it can't be able to waste any money even trying to get in anymore. Well, it's a, a never-ending circle on two sides. We hear the constant thing from China. Taiwan is an inalienable part of China, going back to da-da-da-da-da. You know, so both sides are playing this game. And... Um, in a way, you got to keep up your end. I mean, what do you think Joe Blow Public thinks of the UN? Does, does Joe Blow Public actually care about being a member of the UN? I, th I think they do. Um, I, I think it's probably one of the more emotive issues uh, in, in Taiwan's foreign policy. If you compare that to 20 small diplomatic allies and things like the, you know, the Spratly Islands, a lot of people here don't even know we have a claim in Spratly Islands. Uh, but you talk about the UN, and people do have things to say. It's a, another case of being blocked from a, a, a recognized international institution because one of the members just doesn't like it. Yeah, that's basically it. You know, China doesn't want to want us to be in. <laughs> the, we're the Xiao Tai Tai on the side. Right, and while these countries stood up for Taiwan at the UN, one country this week, well, the president of one country this week, well, he didn't have much good things to say about Taiwan. And this is, of course, Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte, who blamed Taiwan for his country's drug problems. Anyway, Duterte made reference to Taiwan in two separate speeches on Tuesday of this week, saying that members, here we go again, deja vu from earlier, Taiwan's bamboo union gang were the main source of illegal drugs in his country. Now, of course, he'd previously blamed China for its involvement in the illegal drug trade in the Philippines, but Duterte's changing narrative appears to come after his son was linked to a Chinese gang, and his government is, of course, seeking closer ties with Beijing. Now, the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office in Manila has denied the claims that Taiwan is just sending loads of drugs to the Philippines and said that both sides should work together to stop the illegal trade in drugs. Now, of course, the Manila office here in Taiwan yesterday, on Thursday, came out and said much the same thing. So do you think, I mean, being blamed for the Philippine drug problem is a bit of a push there, Jerome? Uh, I think you have to look at Duterte's style. He's a grandstander. He's a lot like Trump. You know, so you really got to filter a lot of what he says. So I... I agree with the idea that we sh both countries should be working together. But of course, he, he, as, as it happened, he previously did blame China. Then, of course, but of course, the Philippines has, since Duterte took office, basically been cozying up to China due to issues in the South China Sea and trade. Ralph, I think that Duterte was blaming Taiwan because 
it's an easy target. Uh, the drug the drugs come from a lot of places. Some some are made in the Philippines. Some come from China. And as you, I think, may have been hinting at, you can't really criticize China too heavily because they're trying to build a friendship. The Philippines is getting a pile of money from China now. So you look you look at Taiwan. Yes, some drugs probably come from here. They come from a lot of places. Um, you know, you can make the statement, and then there's a, a, a small one or two day diplomatic fallout where the cultural office says something and the and the uh the the taiwan's representation in manila says something um and you know there's no damage done nobody's going to get hurt nobody's going to go and, and stage a massive protest or cut relations or anything like that so he's a grandstander but he he picked a safe target and of course this week there was news that the government is going to give philippine passport holders visa-free entry to taiwan that's that was been going really on for some time, I believe. The uh, part of the new southbound policy, yeah, yeah, they, giving yeah. visa-free uh, access to people from several Southeast Asian countries. And yeah, I I think that's actually you know a good look at what's going on at ground level, and let all the talk at the above level go on. And but that's a good thing. But there's also been complaints here. There was complaints in one of the newspapers today. The China Times, in fact, today ran a piece talking about the giving visa-free entry to P- Philippine passport holders and said, well, the government's come out and said this. It's, it's, we knew it was going to happen, but is it a good thing because the Philippines still hasn't given visa-free entry to ROC passport holders? This was their sort of alternative argument there. Supposedly that would be a reciprocal thing, and that's one of the reasons that that Taiwan is planning to offer visa-free access to Filipinos is because some of the Taiwanese business people and tourists also want the same in, in response. And if, if you think of it from a macroeconomic development point of view, i.e. the new southbound policy, if you can't travel between the two sides, it makes business a lot harder. And, and um, you know, now you have to go to the cultural office here pay money, wait a couple of days, go back. It's really a nuisance, especially if you consider that a lot of other countries in Southeast Asia let the Taiwanese in visa-free. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, got to be a quid pro quo. Anyway, before we go, Bravo, the Formosan black bear and former Taipei University ad mascot returned this week to meet with fans in the capital. Bravo was, of course, last spotted at an employment services office in downtown Taipei on September the 1st, two days after the university had finished, and there he was filling out a job search form. Now chosen by the public and named by a committee, Bravo beat the odds and became rather a big hit. Of course, there were naysayers who thought Bravo Bravo would share the same fate as some 36 other mascots adopted by the city over the recent years by unceremoniously being dumped somewhere unknown and possibly turned into landfill. But it looks as if Bravo will now have a job at City Hall, as the Department of Information and Tourism says the bear will appear at charity events and campaigns to promote new city policies. So, Ralph, you have two young children. They must have seen Bravo to bear during the university ad. They saw Bravo the Bear on on television, and my sense is they were they were confused between Bravo the Bear and this bear mascot that has been used by the Taiwan Tourism Bureau for some time now, several years, to promote tours and travel attractions within Taiwan. They're both bears. I believe they're both the uh, Formosan black bear replicas. So there's a uh, 
ample cause for confusion. Obviously, and, and I don't believe my children have been down to City Hall to partake of the information services and charity, so they haven't had any further access to Bravo. You, yeah, well, they, they, maybe the City Hall should have asked young children. Are, are you confused that Bravo looks like the other bear? They don't look like they don't look the same. I was just reading, looking at the uh, photos of Bravo online shortly before the call, and they do look significantly different. Um, I, I'd rather be, I think I'd rather have my hand bit by the, the tourism bear. It looks a little more gentle. <laughs> but I, other than that, they're, they're different, um, but still they're bears. They're the same species, and they come from the same, use for the same broad purpose, which is promotion. Okay, I'm for Bravo all the way. Go Bravo, you know, keep him going. He's a good symbol, a symbol of Taiwan. You've got to admit that the, the people that came up with Bravo, the promotions company, did a good job. I mean, the, the, the picture of him in the job centre did make me laugh. And I don't laugh at very many things. That's so that, true. That, that did get me. And, of course, he met his fans, or it met its fans. We don't know what gender it is, of course. There's a big question there. That's true. And apparently, apparently, Jerome, you were telling me that there was 26 people. There were more than 26. I don't really know the exact number, but... In all the promotion before the Universiade Games, they needed people being bravo at many places, and they were well trained. There were there's certain gestures you got to know. It's a you know it's a it's a real training. It's a real job. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's jobs for twenty six people. I think there are more. I, I I'd have to look up the number, but the, you know they had so many candidates, and you tried out to be a bravo. So, marks out of ten there, Ralph, for Bravo to mascot. Well, marks out of ten, I'll give it a seven. Jerome? I'm going to give him nine. I'm going to give him... And I think you should get a job at ICRT. <laughs> maybe, I'll, no, maybe I'll quit my job here and go and be Bravo. <laughs> of course, of course what, you need another mascot, don't you, really? If you have one mascot, you need two for the other team. Well, how about you get Bravo to have cubs, and you know what gender it is, and you have more mascots? I'll leave, yes, okay, Ralph, there we go. We went from your children being confused about Bravo to me being confused about Bravo, dear. I I don't want to touch this one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's where we'll leave our look at the news of the week from this week in Taiwan this week. And today I've been joined in the studio by Jerome Keating... Thank you. And on the phone by Ralph Jennings. Thank you, Gavin. And thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan This Week here on ICRT with me, Gavin Phipps. And don't forget to check out Taiwan This Week podcasts on iTunes and Android podcast apps where you can get access to all our previous shows. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.